The Socialist Correspondent is an anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist journal. It supports all those fighting for peace and socialism. Podcast 100. US Dominance Under Threat. A More Dangerous World. As a multipolar world comes into being, challenging American global domination, our planet has become a more dangerous place. The United States' unapologetic backing of Israel's decimation of Gaza and its people and NATO's proxy war in Ukraine serve as current examples. Before the current conflagrations, the US-led Western war on terror brought death and destruction to thousands in the Middle East as America's way of showing who's boss after 9-11. America will not give up its hegemony over the world gracefully. However, many countries and peoples are now saying enough is enough of America and Europe running the world. The global south is not taking it anymore. One thing is certain, it will not be a smooth ride to a multipolar world. Israel's war of genocide, scorched earth and ethnic cleansing in Gaza, along with its settler colonialism and murders in the West Bank, funded and abetted by the US, has united the world against the carnage. While the US continues to send more armaments to Israel, Antony Blinken, US Secretary of State, cynically called on Israel to minimise civilian casualties. Israel has no intention of minimising civilian casualties. It has already killed 22,000 Palestinians as of the 31st of December 2023, almost 1% of the Gazan population the equivalent of around 500,000 Brits, or 2.7 million Americans. Another 55,000 have been wounded. Half of Gaza's population is starving, according to the UN. Israel has assassinated at least 80 Palestinian journalists and over 130 UN aid workers, along with members of their families. This is not a war against Hamas. It is a war against the Palestinians, the objective is to kill or remove 2.3 million Palestinians from Gaza. The overwhelming call for a ceasefire in Gaza by the international community was expressed in the UN General Assembly Resolution passed on the 12th of December 2023. 153 countries voted in favour of a ceasefire, with 23 abstentions and 10 voting against. This showed the extent of the isolation of Israel and the US. The UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, invoked Article 90 of the UN Charter, which states that, quote, the Secretary-General may bring to the attention of the UN Security Council any matter which, in his opinion, may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security, end quote. This article of the UN Charter has only been invoked three times in the last 70 years, in 1960 over the Congo, in 1979 over hostages held by Iran, and in 1989 over Lebanon. The United Arab Emirates, the UAE, initial draft resolution at the UN Security Council, called for a ceasefire, but this was watered down under US pressure. The call for the, quote, urgent cessation of hostilities, end quote, was replaced by, quote, creating the conditions for the cessation of hostilities, end quote, in order to avoid a US veto. 
The resolution was passed by 13 votes, with two abstentions, US and Russia, for different reasons. Russia had proposed an amendment calling for a ceasefire, which was carried with 10 votes for and four abstentions, the US voted against and therefore vetoed the amendment. Vasily Nebenzia, Russian permanent representative to the UN, in his speech commenting on the resolution, which passed, said, quote, This is not a moment of triumph of multilateral diplomacy, but rather a moment of gross unprincipled blackmail, open scorn on the part of Washington for the suffering of Palestinians and the hopes of the global community to put an end to it, end quote. He added, Washington pushed through language that actually gave Israel a licence to kill Palestinian civilians in Gaza. It should be noted that the UAE is host to the largest American airbase in the Middle East, where there are 10,000 US troops. The UAE military is supplied and trained by the US, the UK and France. Israel's genocidal intent and the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from Gaza and the West Bank, among other outcomes so far, has created divisions between the US and its long-standing Arab allies, and within the US itself. In an unprecedented move, Josh Paul resigned as director of the US Department of State, which oversees US global security assistance annually of over $10 billion in funding, and over $150 billion in arms transfers. He received widespread support from his colleagues in the State Department, and many of them joined demonstrations. Explaining his resignation, Josh Paul said, quote, I think the policy approach from the US has been security for peace, and that if Israel feels secure, it will feel comfortable making the concessions necessary to allow peace. But what we have seen instead is the more secure Israel feels, the more it has pushed the envelope, the more settlements have expanded, the more civil rights have been taken away from Palestinians in the West Bank, the more the siege of Gaza has continued. And so I think we need to step away from that way of thinking and ask if maybe instead of security for peace, there's some way of peace for security. End quote. He also explained how Israel is unique in the way that the US deals with its arms support. Quote, we are talking about $3.3 billion a year in foreign military financing, which is the State Department's main method for providing military assistance and granting military assistance overseas. Incidentally, the State Department's total budget for foreign military financing typically hovers around $6 billion dollars. So we're giving more than half of our military assistance globally to Israel. Unlike almost every other country in the world, Israel is also permitted to spend up to 20% of its foreign refinancing on what we call offshore procurement, which means that it can spend it directly in Israel. The rest of foreign refinancing has to be spent in the US, supporting US jobs with US companies. But Israel gets to spend some of its money domestically, and over the decades that's actually greatly enabled the expansion of Israel's own domestic defence industry, which is now a top 10 exporter of defence arms and often competes with the US. End quote. The US actions in aiding and abetting Israel have also led to disagreements and tensions with its longtime allies in the Arab world. 
The Arab states have unanimously condemned Israel's war on Gaza, which has put pressure on the governments of the countries which signed the Abraham Accords brokered by the Trump administration in 2020 to pull out of those agreements. Several Arab countries, the UAE, Bahrain, Sudan and Morocco, signed these agreements with Israel, which were designed to normalise relations between them and Israel. The US smoothed the path to these agreements by selling 50 F-35 fighter jets to the tiny UAE, recognising Morocco's illegal annexation of Western Sahara, making the US the first country in the world to do so, and removing Sudan from the list of designated terrorist states and loaning it $1.5 billion. The US aim was to extend these normalisation agreements with Israel to include Saudi Arabia and other Arab states. But since Israel's war on Gaza began, the Israeli and Bahraini ambassadors have departed from both countries. Bahrain has seen large demonstrations in support of the Palestinians, which is very unusual, as demonstrations there are normally prohibited if they are against the government. Other developments in the Middle East will also not please the Americans, including that of the Arab League readmitting Syria in May 2023, following its suspension in 2011. Meanwhile, Israel, while it conducts its war on Gaza, continues to bomb Damascus, and the US continues to occupy parts of Syria and to steal Syrian oil after its failure, so far, to bring down Assad. China brokered a deal in which Iran and Saudi Arabia agreed to restore formal diplomatic relations in April 2023. And then, in August 2023, both countries applied to join BRICS and were admitted into membership on the 1st of January 2024. These developments will not be welcomed in Washington. The creation in 2009 of BRICS, the informal organisation, bringing together Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, is an important development in the creation of a multipolar world order. In 2023, a further 14 countries applied to join the organisation – and at the summit held in South Africa, the following countries were invited to join. Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, the UAE. With its change of government bringing to power Javier Malay, Argentina withdrew its application on the 30th of December 2023. The other invited countries joined BRICS on the 1st of January 2024. BRICS has established the new Development Bank, a BRICS payment system and reserve currency. It has a stated aim of reducing dependence on the use of the dollar for foreign trade. A variety of issues have made many countries wary about being too dependent on the dollar. These include US sanctions on Russia, the freezing of some $300 billion worth of Russia's foreign currency and the billions of Afghanistan's frozen assets given to victims of 9-11 by Biden. This weaponization of the dollar has given rise to a feeling in large parts of the world that America cannot be trusted with their dollar reserves. The International Monetary Fund, the IMF, published a report documenting, quote, a decline in the dollar share of international reserves since the turn of the century, end quote. 
with central banks around the world increasingly diversifying their holdings. The study noted that this decline in the dollar's share has not been accompanied by an increase in the shares of the pound, sterling, yen and euro. Instead, the shift out of dollars has been in two directions, a quarter into the Chinese renminbi and three quarters into the currencies of smaller countries that have played a more limited role as reserve currencies. In 1999, 70% of global reserves were held in dollars. That is now down to 59% and continuing to decline. The IMF's first deputy managing director, Gita Gopinath, made remarks reflecting this historic shift in an interview reported by the Financial Times entitled Russia Sanctions Threaten to Erode Dominance of US Dollar, says IMF. The Financial Times quoted her as saying that, quote, Western sanctions imposed on Russia over its invasion of Ukraine, including restrictions on its central bank, could encourage the emergence of small currency blocks based on trade between separate groups of countries. We are already seeing that, with some countries renegotiating the currency in which they get paid for trade. End quote. Western sanctions on Russia have forced Moscow's trading partners to seek alternative payment mechanisms. China and Russia have moved toward boosting their bilateral trade in each other's currencies. A landmark currency swap agreement between China and Saudi Arabia will further diminish the role of the dollar in international trade. China is Saudi Arabia's biggest trading partner. More oil sales are now being transacted in non-dollar currencies such as the renminbi. With the advent of Western sanctions, Russian oil is now either sold in the local currencies of the buyers or in rubles. The EU was forced to find a way round its own sanctions to allow some EU countries to continue buying Russian oil. Some Indian refiners have begun paying for Russian oil purchased via Dubai traders in dirhams. Overall, the importance of the dollar in oil markets has declined significantly between 2014 and 2022. Oil is one of the most important and widely traded commodities in the world, and it has traditionally been priced and traded in US dollars. This has given the US dollar a dominant role in global financial markets, as countries that want to purchase oil must first acquire US dollars in order to do so. Even allowing for moves away from oil into renewable energy sources, oil will remain important for some time into the future. In addition, a strong dollar is becoming more expensive for emerging nations, leading some to trade in other currencies. In 2023, Brazil and Bolivia began to pay for imports and exports using the Chinese renminbi. The dollar is still dominant, but for how much longer is the question, as the movement away from it is clear. The headline of the commentary by Daniel Hannan in The Telegraph on the 9th of December 2023 read as follows. Putin's Russia is closing in on a devastating victory. Europe's foundations are trembling. The subhead elaborated the theme in grave terms, quote, Kiev's counter-offensive has ended in failure. This could be NATO's Suez moment, end quote. It is not official, not yet, 
that Ukraine's grand counteroffensive has proven to be a failure and that defeat is in the offing. The closest to such an admission came from Zelensky himself when the Ukrainian president declared that the counteroffensive, quote, did not achieve the desired results, end quote. This admission reminded one of Emperor Hirohito's famous declaration on August the 15th, 1945, when he announced to his subjects the surrender on Japanese radio. Quote, the war has not necessarily progressed to our advantage, end quote. This failure marked the end of Ukraine's possibilities of taking back the territory that is now part of Russia. However, the Zelensky regime persists in pushing this unlikely scenario as it desperately pleads for more Western and especially US military aid. There is now much speculation in the West about the eventual outcome of NATO's proxy war against Russia. Several scenarios are presented, including a Korean-type stalemate with Ukraine effectively cut in two, or a period in which Ukraine regroups, goes into defensive mode and rearms, courtesy of the West, preparing for another counteroffensive sometime in the future, or Russia takes over the whole of Ukraine and threatens a takeover of the rest of Europe. The scenario of Russia threatening the rest of Europe if it wins in Ukraine is designed to deepen Russophobia and to scare the peoples of the West into continuing support for Ukraine. It is not a serious likelihood. Russia's main aim has always been its own security, to secure its access to the Black Sea and defend the interests of ethnic Russians. It has never been Russia's aim to occupy Ukraine. This was clear from Russia's signing of the Minsk agreements, in which it agreed to the creation of the autonomous regions of Donetsk and Luhansk within Ukraine. However, with Ukraine reneging on the agreement with Western connivance, Russia launched its special military operation. Its stated aims were to denazify and demilitarize Ukraine and to make it neutral. Germany and France later admitted to buying time with the Minsk agreements for Ukraine to be further armed. Even after the war had started, Russia made further moves to reach a deal with Ukraine, which was scuppered by the US and the UK. Perhaps the US will settle for an uneasy truce in Ukraine, having achieved some of its aims, for example, the killing of the Nord Stream pipeline. Biden took the decision in the autumn of 2022 to order a CIA-led team working undercover in Norway with that country's special forces, who have been an American asset since the end of the Second World War, to blow up the Nord Stream pipelines in the Baltic Sea. Nord Stream 1 had been supplying Germany with cheap Russian gas since 2011. The newly constructed Nord Stream 2 was ready to go when it was shut down, under American pressure by Chancellor Schultz in February 2022. Three of the four Nord Stream pipelines were blown up in September 2022. The American fear was that Germany, with winter coming on, might decide to keep the Russian gas flowing to keep houses heated and industry running. It also allowed the US to export its more expensive liquefied natural gas, LNG, to the now needy Germans. So the ending of Nord Stream was a good deal for American business and achieved a key US aim of stopping Russian gas going to Europe. 
With the competition eliminated, in December 2023, Cefi, a German state-owned energy firm, struck a $55 billion energy deal with Norway's Equinor that will supply Germany with one-third of its industrial gas needs for 10 years, with an option for a five-year extension. Besides ending Nord Stream, the US also achieved another of its aims with the further expansion of NATO. A continuing war would also serve as a way of bleeding the Russian economy, destabilising the country, and ultimately, perhaps, of fulfilling its long-cherished aim of dismembering Russia. Russia, having been deceived over previous agreements with the West, is unlikely to be interested in a new Minsk deal, especially since it is winning on the battlefield. The prospects for Ukraine and its people are not looking good. It is a bankrupt and corrupt country, entirely dependent on Western handouts and military supplies for NATO's proxy war against Russia. And then there is the question of China, seen by the US as an even bigger threat to its dominant position in the world. The emergence of a multipolar world is not welcomed by the US, as it sees its interests and its world hegemony threatened. It will use all of its considerable powers to remain dominant in world affairs. It will use its economic clout to enforce its will. And if that is not enough, then it will use force. And it has considerable force at its disposal. The US military has bases in some 700 locations in around 70 countries. Its military expenditure is $750 billion annually and it spends more than the next 10 highest spending countries added together. The US and its Western allies will not hesitate in causing mayhem and destruction as they have done in the past, are doing at present and will do into the future to defend their long-held, dominant and exploitative position in the world. But for the overwhelming majority of the world's people, the only option to end war, ethnic cleansing, forced removals, exploitation and poverty, is to fight back during the emergence of a multipolar world. If you'd like to read more or to subscribe to the journal, you can do this via our website at www.thesocialistcorrespondent.org.uk.